I'm Carrie, and I'm going to be talking about um, conflicts in relationships. Conflicts in relationships. We have talked about relationships before, and y'all know that when we talk about the characteristics, I think commitment is where it all starts in terms of how well are we going to be doing with interacting with our partner. How committed am I to being in a healthy relationship with you? So when we look at the commitment for um, companion and for lovers, I'm pretty much all in. I'm going to do whatever it takes to solve the problem that comes up in our relationship so that we can get along better, so that we can live harmoniously, so that we can have a healthy relationship because I want to be in this relationship with you. Okay. So when we look at healthy ways to resolve conflict, if you're in a love level relationship, I would expect you and your partner to both be working to solve problems in healthy ways, okay? which is going to be collaborating and compromising as we get into this. If you're in a roommate level relationship, the commitment there is, you know, I'm going to do what it takes to solve problems so that we can get along in, in sharing the space or the family that we have. That's pretty different than all in. Okay, and so when we talk about problem solving and we're at that sharing space, convenience level of relationship, that's a nice term for that, convenience. I'm here because I don't want to be alone. I'm here because it's comfortable. I'm here because I've got four kids. I'm here because, you know, I can't support the lifestyle if I don't stay with my partner. We have, we're here for all kinds of reasons, but that's not what I would call love, nor am I all in. So when I'm at that level of commitment, I'm going to do what it takes for us to, to get along. Okay, but don't ask me to make great big changes there. And so if a problem comes up and I think you're asking too much of me, I may bail. You may, <laughs> chuckling, yeah, I may bail, I'm out of here. As we talk about levels of relationship and the commitment that we have in our relationship, it really is going to affect how I may approach problem solving with you and how you as my partner approach problem solving with me. Okay? Because if I'm not all in, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be maneuvering to get the best deal for me. Don't you think? That convenience relationship, what's going to be the best deal for Carrie over here? <laughs> and so we we aren't necessarily looking to problem solve in healthy ways. Okay? Here's my definition of conflict. Conflict is a difference between two people in our case, because it's a relationship, that are striving to share emotional, physical, and perceptual space. That's how we define it for relationships, okay? Emotional space has to do with how I feel about things. Emotional space has to do with how I feel about things. So there's a conflict between how I am telling you I feel about something and how you feel about something, or how you think I should feel about something sometimes, huh? Conflict, the difference between emotionally how we're approaching this. Physical space can seem, in my mind, is pretty obvious. You're, you've got my pen, you don't have my pen, it's our house, we have to decide, you know, what kind of a car to get for the, to support the whole family or whatever. Physical. We can touch it, we can feel it, it's got, it's got boundaries and structure. Perceptual space, mm, there again, that's my belief about something, what I believe to be true, my, can be an assumption at times, okay, an assumption, what I think is going on that may or, again, may or may not be true. Okay, perceptual kinds of conflict lots of times can be misperceptions. It can be associated with baggage. Where have I come from? What has happened to me back here? And you know, my perceptual or my lack of trust for you may be my perception that you're doing something when indeed you aren't. 
And my perception comes from not my experience with you in our relationship, but my experience from a past relationship where in this relationship, I was shown I shouldn't have trusted this person. And I did, did for too long, okay? So we have these kinds of conflicts when we talk about being in an intimate relationship. And these are, these are the parameters that we talk about those. All relationships are gonna have conflict. Okay, so don't think just because you achieve a love level relationship, oh, this is going to be rosy forever. The only place happily ever after lives is in Disney movies. <laughs> it is. There is no happily ever after. Happily ever after for you and my, me means that we're always working on the relationship. We're always paying attention. We're always working to solve problems. I'm always working to stay connected to you in positive ways, and you're, and you're working to stay connected to me in positive ways. The moment we quit doing that, the relationship is going to tank down the backside, and we're moving toward convenient. That's just kind of the way it is. All right, let's talk about how we show anger quickly. It's kind of a review. We have expressed angry people, and what do they look like? Ah, there you go. <laughs> they get loud, don't they? They show you that they show you that they're upset with their facial expression and body language. They sound upset by their volume of their tone, okay, and then their words tell you that they're upset and what they're upset about. Okay, so when you're an expressed angry person, the package, is, the package tends to all match. It's not a mystery that you're upset because you'll show it, you, I see it, you sound it, you say it. You're upset. Got it. Okay, that's not conflict yet though, is it? <laughs> okay. Suppressed people tuck it. And so they, they don't like to come out here and show anger this way and so they try to tuck it in and many suppressed angry people will say they're managing their anger and they're not because you can feel it you still see that I'm angry you can still see the facial expression and the body language and the eye rolling and the huffing around <sighs> the slamming of the dishes in the kitchen sink or whatever the heck is going on but I'm not saying anything and I think that I'm handling this okay <laughs> think that I'm handling this okay and I'm not suppressed anger exudes energy this way that other people feel but I don't say anything feel but I don't say anything if I do say something what am I likely to say I'm fine I'm fine is a classic one I'm okay don't worry about it I'll get over it you hear the tone this is like this is dripping with guilt I want, you to, I want you to feel like you've done something wrong, but I don't want to come out and directly confront you, which the express person does, right? None of this is anger control. When we talk about anger control here, I'm talking about self-awareness. I'm talking about that commitment to solving the problem that I have with this other person. So how do I do that? How do I solve a problem that I need to solve with you? Sit down and have a conversation with them? It starts with listening, yep. I have to listen to your side of the story. God, that's tough. It is, because think about this. I'm emotionally involved here. I'm not happy with what's going on, and I have to hear your side of the story, and that's tough sometimes. It's tough when you're dealing with an expressive person. Yes, it's tough when you're dealing with an expressive person, she says, especially if you're a suppressed person or a quieter person, or you'd really like to avoid it. We're gonna get into some of these styles here in a minute, and it's tough to stay there when this person's coming out this way because you don't want to stay there. You want to go do other things. Well, you can't stay in a conversation with someone like that because no mm -hmm. matter how much, see, I'm, I am, I'd like to say that I'm, I'm not quiet or shy or anything, but I'm very, 
like reserved when it comes to my emotions and stuff. So if I sit down and try to have a conversation with somebody that's expressive, I eventually lose my cool and then become expressive as well because yes. I can't sit there and listen to the same thing over and over again. Yes. What she's describing is an expressed person and more of a suppressed or maybe a controlled angry person who this person just keeps coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. We're going to talk about conflict styles here and you'll figure out what this one is pretty quickly. <laughs> As they come at me and I try other things. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to offer solutions. I'm trying to get my turn to speak and they just keep coming at me, coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. Eventually, this person that's trying to either practice anger control or suppression kind of, kind of comes to the end of the road with, I, I have nothing else to do but get loud now. Yes. And if I don't get loud, then I have to, if I don't get loud, then I have to avoid or run away or stop talking about it. And I, I may get up and leave, which can lead us to yet another conflict style that's really not a good one. At <laughs> okay. that point, it feels like it's been all for nothing. Yes. And then you've lost everything you've invested in. And that can be the perceptual problem, can it? Now I have an additional problem, she says, because at that point I feel like I've done all of this investment and I've gotten nowhere and what a waste of my time. The perception is that I've wasted my time. Mm -hmm. Hmm. If I'm in a convenient relationship, I really, I really might go with that. I've wasted my time. If I'm in a companion or a love level relationship, I may in this moment feel like I've wasted my time and yet when we talk about anger control, it's about problem solving. In a love level relationship, I'm going to do what it takes to solve the problems that we have. So, I got to take a moment. I got to regroup. <laughs> I'm military. I got to regroup. <laughs> I never retreat. <laughs> I have friends that are Marines. The Marines never retreat. They're going to take the hill or die. <laughs> but they will regroup. Okay? They will. They will regroup and say, "Let me collect myself. Let me think about the problem. Let me look at the solutions that I would like to have. Let me think about how I can listen to this person." Let me think about how I can maybe get a better chance of being heard. And so that when I go back in and readdress it, okay, I may get a little further down the road to being able to problem solve. This is if my partner's willing to do that. Love level relationships, all in, my partner's willing to do this. Can, um, companion level, there may, be, there may be times when this is really, really hard because we have a discrepancy with maybe uh, the identity or the collaboration or a problem that we just really are having trouble solving. When we get down to the roommate level relationship though, this is convenience and this is where I'm not all in, you know, this is, this is too hard for me. So this is just be something we, we won't talk about. Okay? We just will agree to not talk about it and so it sits in the corner, <laughs> evident and we're both aware but we don't touch that one because we always argue about it. That's roommate stuff. Okay. All right. So let's talk about these different styles and we'll look at kind of see where they fall, where they fall out in what kind of a relationship we might be having with that, okay? So the first one we're going to talk about is called a competitor, okay? Competitors are those people that are in your face, 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 and they never back down because competitors want to win. They want to win the argument in the moment, okay? They debate well. What is it to debate? Argue. Argue. Okay, but I don't necessarily have to raise my voice to debate. I, I watch debating teams. They're not yelling and screaming at each other. What are they doing? To, to differentiate the difference between two sides. Okay, they split hairs, don't they? They differentiate. I've got, my, I've got my information organized in such a way that I can present it to you to show you why I'm right and you're not. 
Okay. And so then you, I took the time to listen to you, but computers listen to collect information to show you why you're wrong. So they're going to take the information they collected from you, scramble it around and why they're right, and give you your own information back to show you why. See, here's why I'm right and you're wrong. You said it. I can't believe you didn't catch that. Meanwhile, the person on the other end is like, <laughs> you see my face? It's like, ah. Especially if you're the one trying to problem solve. <laughs> you got this person that's just going to, got to be right, got to be right, got to be right. Ooh, okay, so they twist facts. Um, they don't lose very often, but when they lose, they're great at pouting. Big, big guilt. And don't think for one moment they're not replaying the whole argument in their head for what did I miss? I cannot believe I let them get a point on this one because it's coming back and the next time I'm going to be prepared. I obviously wasn't prepared this time, but next time I'm going to be prepared. More so. Can these people get loud? Yes. If, if that's what it takes to win, they're going to get loud. Do they have to get loud? No. Can they name call? Yes. Will they scorecard? Absolutely. They're going to bring a house. Could I win if I didn't remind you of the last terrible things you've done and how it didn't work out because we went with what you decided? Oh, don't you remember when you said and we did that and it was awful? Don't you remember that? I mean, they're going to remind you of all this stuff. Yes, that's these people. They're in your face, in your face, in your face. They wear me, they wear me out. I, this is not my preference. They wear me out, this competing thing. All right. So these are kind of a spectrum. Computers live over here in the more expressed. They can be aggressive at times as they need to. I think insulting and name calling and scorecarding and raising my voice and that kind of thing is aggressive, not assertive. The next one we're going to look at is an avoider. And avoiders live on the other end of the spectrum over here. And avoiders are just like they sound, aren't they? These people don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. <clears throat> These are the people that will say, we don't, I don't know what you're talking about. What? We don't have a problem. What are you talking about problem? We're good. We're good. They are going to pretend that there isn't a problem. Avoiders can be accommodators. We're going to talk about that one next. An avoider actually won't talk about it. They will um, turn the TV up louder. They will, they will change the subject. Change the subject because it's too uncomfortable for them to do. Lots of times avoiders have either got a bad uh, history with this particular problem in their relationship and so they've learned not to talk about it. Sometimes they have had, they've got baggage from a previous relationship and so they've learned just it's better to not talk about things. Have you heard that saying, happy wife, happy life? <laughs> that is an avoider statement every day of the week. Whatever she wants, it's actually accommodating. But you know, we're just not going to talk about it. Whatever, whatever's going to make her happy, that's what we're doing because I don't want to argue. They don't like arguing. They might have learned this in they might have learned this in their childhood. You know, think about how you were raised. Think about how your parents resolved conflicts. Did they do it in healthy ways where they solved problems? Did they yell and scream at each other? Did one of them leave for a period of time and you were kind of concerned that are they coming back? I mean, we've all been exposed to all kinds of things and this is where we learned about solving problems in relationships. So we may be practicing what we were shown back here along with what we've practiced in relationships that may or may not be working. Okay, so avoiders tend to like to not talk about it. They sidestep, they withdraw, they change the subject. Some of them are such hardcore avoiders they physically get ill. They'll complain of a headache. They can think they got to go throw up. I mean, they really, really, really 
don't like conflict in any kind of form and they will go to great lengths to avoid it. Like I just won't go home until it's bedtime because then I don't have to argue. I can just go home, take a shower, go to bed, and then I don't have to talk to him about whatever's bothering me. Yes. You can do, you, as we talk about these, you'll find, I didn't see any zeros for any of the scores in the room, which means you have some practice at doing them all. <laughs> you just may have a preference for what you were thinking about. Okay. The third one is called an accommodator. And an accommodator is just inside the passive for the avoider. You live on the passive end of the scale. They're just inside a passive because an accommodator, um, <clears throat> lots of times wants the other person to be happy. So they don't really like conflict a lot either, do they? And so if I can figure out what it will take for you to be okay, that's what I'm going to go with. Sometimes I'm so tired of you in my face, you in my face, you in my face with the computer. I just want to figure out what it's going to take for you to stop talking. Shut up. How, is that, what, how do I get you to do that? That's an accommodator. Did you see my face? Did you hear my tone inside? I'm thinking this. How do I get you to just stop? How do I get it to just stop? How do I make you okay right now? Is this a good thing? No. No. What kind of a relationship are we in if we're accommodating? Roommate? Lover? Not really. It's no better. You're no higher than a roommate if you're accommodating. You can be friend or, or acquaintance, but you're on the down you're on the downside of this. <laughs> if I'm accommodating, because I'm not even putting accommodators don't put out there what they would like to have done. They don't provide solutions. They're waiting for me to get the solution from you. And we're going to go with that. We're going to go with whatever makes you happy. Okay, so that I don't have to have the argument. Okay, that can come back late up later <laughs> when this person feels used. When this person's had enough, okay, or something important comes up for this accommodator, and now they're not going to accommodate anymore, they're going to compete. And so I've got the whole list of things I've done to make you happy, and I'm going to bring it up on the one I want to win and remind you how, you know, remember, don't you remember when we did that your way and it didn't work so well? Well, this is why I think we should do this my way now. That is somebody that has been accommodating in the past, now saying, you know, I want to I have my way on this. So you can see we can go back and forth and in and out of these, of these styles depending upon what's going on. Okay? Sometimes we get into accommodating because we have big hearts. Okay? Because we have big hearts. A lot of us have been taught to nurture, to take care of other people. And so we have lots of times been taught to put other people ahead of ourselves. That's accommodating, <laughs> potentially. Because if I put what you need to have happen, or if I put your career, or if I put what you would like to do this weekend ahead of mine, of my, what I would like to do, or what I would like, or my career, um, I can get to the point where I feel used when I never get anything in return. Accommodators tend to not get anything in return from the people that they're accommodating. They keep giving, giving, giving. So we can get into this because we have a big heart and we really want to take care of the person that we, quote, love. And we get, into, we get into the dysfunctional piece when problems start coming up and we are, we are going to make them happy instead of saying, well, I hear what you say and here's my idea for what we could do too and we work our way through it. Work relationships, if you're in customer service, we really do try to be accommodating or at least polite, don't we? And so I try to, I try to give you what I am able to give you or help you to understand why I can't do that in polite, assertive ways. So sometimes we can certainly try to accommodate. Lots of times...
we're having to be assertive at work in different ways certainly than in a relationship in a relationship I may say so what do you want for dinner well, you know we don't eat Brussels sprouts because he doesn't like them they're my favorite vegetable but we ne I never make them because he doesn't like them I've given up Brussels sprouts <laughs> for you for you I've given up Brussels sprouts I know it's a silly example but you get it why, why would you do that says says you why would you give up Brussels sprouts oh no you don't understand he can't even he can't even tolerate the smell of Brussels sprouts so it's just not worth it that's truly now I'm truly talking about accommodating aren't I not only have I given them up I'm so aware of your take on Brussels sprouts that oh no if I really want a caretake I'm calling the restaurant do you even serve Brussels sprouts because <laughs> He can't stand that smell at all, and if you do, we can't come there. I'm way off the edge there. Okay? Accommodators. All right, living out on the far end of aggression are agitators. Okay, so there's an agitator and then the computer. Agitators, in my mind, are by far the worst conflict style out there. Because these people are not about winning. These people are not about winning the argument. They are about creating chaos. And they will do it however I can do that. And so if, they, if it requires that I get loud to get you to be reactive, I'm going to get loud. And I can look like a computer. If it requires that I ignore you and I look like an avoider to get you to react, then I'm not going to talk to you. Okay? Um, they like to argue. They don't, they don't want to debate and they don't want to win. They just they like to have people be off balance and you just never know what to expect and you just never know what's going to come next. I meet a lot of people here that have ex-partners that they kind of view this way because you just never know when the phone's going to ring and oh, they can't show up or you get a notice and you got to go back to court about this or they've got some lame excuse for why they can't pay child support this month or I mean, you just never know what's going to come from this person over there but you just always feel like you're walking on eggshells. Lots of times the person that you're feeling that about is an agitator. They just kind of keep chaos going. That's my mother. For <laughs> real. Her mother does it. If you look around and you think you have one of these in your life, you're probably not the only person they're doing this to. Because it's a pattern with them. They like to have little fires going all over. Okay, and if you know it takes gossip over here to get this going, and I call this person over here and tell them this little piece, and they send it over here, and I can get all kinds of I can get all kinds of discord going here. That's an agitator. Can I have a mom and dad come to this? <laughs> not together. <laughs> Okay. Do you see some of those comments up there? The button pushers in your life. Partners potentially can be this, can't they? They got a lot of crap on us. I know exactly how to get under your skin. I know exactly how to get under your skin. And I will if I'm an agitator. I know how to annoy. I know how to pick on you. I instigate. We were just talking about it. I instigate. I start it. I can either start it by yelling and screaming or I can start at low level by just being unhappy, right? And then they sit back and watch. They sit back and watch. One of the classic things that I get, I think I see it more in my anger management group than I see here, mm -hmm. but I'll have somebody that's coming to their program and then we've been talking about, you know, how you listen and how you work to problem solve and how you, you in negotiating, you have some solutions for how you would like to see something solved. And they'll get with this person they need to solve a problem with and they're an agitator. And the agitator member doesn't want to win. They just want to keep you off balance. 
And so they'll get them to finally react. They finally have come to the end of their end of the road. They have nothing left. I have no more ideas for how I can do this with you and so I become an expressed angry person which is the risk for suppressed people and so they finally are screaming at this person who will just now get very quiet and look at them like they've gone crazy and say I don't think those classes are helping you <laughs> which nearly short circuits this person it's just tried nine different things <laughs> just to problem solve to have that comment come out that's an, that's an agitator every day of the week they just make you feel crazy okay so that's what they are this is that's a very aggressive conflict style and it's not about solving conflict it is about destroying relationships okay so if you have one of those in your life I would tell you you're probably not even in a roommate level because an agitator isn't interested in sharing space okay if you have a partner and we're to the friend level you know we we only solve problems in limited ways that might be an agitator but this relationship is really not good if my partner is an agitator or if I have a predominant agitating conflict style this is not gonna work out Okay. So is this the kind of person that it almost kills them to give you a compliment and all they can do is, you can do everything perfect and they find the one thing. Um, what is that? That could be one of these people. It could be an agitator. Or they do the indirect criticism like with the butt at the end. Or and then, oh, are you allergic to dishes? Oh wait, I just cleaned <laughs> the entire freaking house. But. <laughs> yeah, I have Clorox hands. Yeah. All right, number, number, the next one, five, is called a compromiser. And we're getting into the healthy ways to try to resolve conflict now, okay? C compromisers and collaborators are about solving conflict. So we're about problem solving here, okay? We may be at a companion or a love level relationship if we're using either of these types of uh, conflict styles, okay? Compromisers. Compromisers are willing to do some give and take. So when they negotiate, they are willing to trade. Okay, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. Okay, I'll pick, tell you what, we have a lot to do after work tonight. And so if you will pick the kids up from school, I will get the grocery shopping done and have dinner started by the time you get home. That would be compromise, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I'll do part of this for you if you do part of this for me. And what are we working on? We're working on how are we going to get the evening requirements done in our family. Okay? They tend to seek common ground. They tend to seek common ground. So when we compromise with our partner, we both feel like we did a good job. We both feel like we walked away with something. Nobody feels like they got taken advantage of when we compromise. We both feel like this was a good solution for us. Okay? Um, we are observant of facts and feelings when we compromise. A little bit of both. We may be a little bit more fact-based, like that example I gave you is really more fact-based than feeling-based, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference, one of the differences between compromising and collaborating. That it's a little bit more fact-based than feeling-based when we're compromising. Okay? Number, last one, six, is a collaborator. When we go to collaborate, this is real, this really is negotiating. This is that whole listening piece to understand where my partner's coming from. It's them listening to me so that they understand where I'm coming from. It's both of us coming to the, to the table with some ideas for how can we solve this problem and we consider them. I have to consider your solutions to the problem and you consider my solutions to the problem and as we have the solutions that we put out there now you and I are going to make a decision for which one is going to work for us. 
like you're a team. It's very much a team, yes, very much a team. This one takes time. So that would be like lovers. Yes. Collaborate, collaborating um, conflict styles would be love, lover level and companion level. Okay? Because I really am all in. I'm going to do what it takes. And when we go through all the solutions and I had three, two, three that weren't going to work for me and the other two weren't going to work for you, well, we don't have any left. So we've got to go look for some other ideas for how we can fix this. If we compromise, we may pick one. <laughs> if we compromise, we may pick one that maybe you know, it was a little bit better for you. And I feel like, uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen something better. You hear the change in how I'm perceiving it? Mm -hmm. This one we really are all in. And we, have, and we are both participating. That's one of the big differences in the compromiser and the collaborator conflict styles. We both are participating. So we both have to have some ideas for how I would like to see this problem resolved. We both are working to listen to the other person. Not just here. I need to understand. Okay?